0: This week on Good Story, we're running the rebroadcast of Season 2, Episode 6, Marjorie Waddell. Thank you for listening. This was one of my favorite stories to tell because Marjorie was one of my favorite people in the world. I'm excited to share with you again this really good story. I don't think she meant to have a huge impact on my life. I think she was just busy living hers for God. A Good Story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. When my mom was a young girl, each summer, she would go to Timberley Bible Camp in Wisconsin. The way she described it, you think she showed up at heaven. She loved it. She would often talk to us about how amazing it was. She told us about contests they did and how much fun she had swimming and boating and how meaningful the campfires were at the end of the week. She mentioned that camp was a great place for her to grow in her faith and about the friendship she formed with other campers and counselors, too. She said she spent a summer working there as a counselor and told us she was inspired to do so in part because she just loved a counselor she had one year named Marjorie Waddell. Eventually, we knew her as well. We called her Auntie Marge. When we moved into the house that my parents live in today, still, my mom rekindled her relationship with her camp counselor, Marge. She called her up because our house was on a lake and faced west, and apparently Marge loved water and really appreciated a good sunset. I was only four and a half when we moved in and I don't know how much longer after that my mom contacted my Auntie Marge, but I do remember her coming to our house often and she'd stay for a weekend or in the summer she could stay even longer. I loved it when she came. I like loved it. She was so much fun. She'd come into our house with a huge smile on her face. She'd say totally normal sentences like, I haven't seen you in so long, and I'm so excited to be here. But to me, the sentences sounded spectacular. When she said she hadn't seen me in so long, I thought, she must have missed me as much as I've missed her. And when she said, I'm so excited to be here, I thought, I think being with me must be her favorite place to be. She'd sit down in our living room and begin telling us about where she'd been lately. She'd been to Russia, maybe, or China, or Eastern Europe, and other faraway places. She'd bring us trinkets from her travels, and we'd sit and listen to her stories about what she'd seen and done. I'd follow her up to her room, and I'd watch her unpack. I'd sit on her bed, and I'd ask her more questions. She never told me to leave, and never told me to stop talking. Marge loved kids, and I felt like she loved me. Marge was an incredibly smart woman. She was the first woman who served on a national committee in her church denomination. She was well respected. She served on multiple boards throughout her lifetime. In fact, just out of curiosity, I Googled her name and an old photo from 1958 came up. She was pictured on the far left with a group of others who made up the Free Church Youth Fellowship Board. The board members were students and she was their advisor. As I read the caption underneath, I discovered my mom served on this board as the secretary. I had no idea about that either. The purpose of these meetings was to try to find ways to connect with students more effectively. I imagined Marge would have been great at that. Marge was a working woman. She was an elementary school principal in Skokie, Illinois. I'm not sure how long she worked there or what she did prior to that job. I imagine she taught for a while as well, but I don't know anything about that. I just know and knew at that time that Kenton School was probably the luckiest school ever because they had a principal that loved kids and looked for ways to let them know that they were seen and that she was there for them. When Auntie Marge would come and visit our house, she always tried to work in a trip to our little downtown. Our town had a shoe store right on Main Street. (laughs) I sound like I'm from the little house in the prairie when I'm saying this, but it's true. It did. It had a shoe store on main street. It had a grocery store, had a Bren Franklin, a drug store on the corner. It had a bar that had darkened windows where once a man had his ear bitten off long before the whole Mike Tyson scandal. I knew about this because my dad had to sew back on after hours at his clinic, which was also on main street. The town had a bank, and a furniture store, and the best diner you could ever imagine named Max that served Denver omelets and shakes and burgers and fries and had an Atari Pong game standing in the corner. Many a quarter was dropped into that machine, and I still consider it money and time well spent. The city offices were there, the fire station, and the lawnmower repair shop. We'd go there and get our lawnmower fixed by a man named Ed. Ed. Ed was blind. Ed would come to our schools with a seeing-eye dog and talk to us about service animals. Whenever we'd pick up our lawnmower, he and my dad would share the same banter. Hey, Doc, Ed would say. Hey, Ed, how you doing? Ed would reply. Couldn't be better as I see it. Then my dad would say, Ed, I brought one of my daughters with me today so you could tell her she's pretty. Oh, Doc, I can see she's real beautiful. And they'd both laugh and I'd roll my eyes and I'd play with Ed's dog. So back to the shoe store on Main Street, Miller's Shoes. Miller's Shoes was owned and operated by, you guessed it, the Miller's. It was a family business. It was really two stores in one. You could walk in off the street into the shoe store. Then right in the middle of the store, you could turn left, walk up a small ramp, and you'd end up in the clothes store. Or you could walk in from the street right into the clothes store and once inside, turn right in the middle of the store and venture down the short ramp and find yourself in the midst of shoes. I can still imagine the smell of that store. It was like leather mixed with cardboard boxes. I would totally buy a candle like that. (laughs) Women's and children's shoes were on one side of the shoe store and there was an aisle and then men's was on the other. There were metal contraptions all over the floor to measure your feet. And they had tiny little shoe-fitting stools, you know, situated in front of metal frame chairs. The store was exactly a mile from our house. And when Auntie Marge would come to visit, she would often ask if I'd want to walk with her there. She said, I need to buy some more pairs of shoes that would say hi to my students. Yeah, we'd walk and we'd talk the whole way. As we entered the store, she would first say hi to Mr. and Mrs. and Grandma Miller. Then we'd walk over to the sale rack just for a peek. And then she'd sit down and find exactly what she was looking for. She would ask me for my opinion every single time, and I was happy to give it. I thought maybe it was because she heard I had pretty good taste in shoes. I still remember right before kindergarten when I went to this exact same shoe store with my mom to choose school shoes. She told me on the drive there, okay, Kirsten, you're not going to be able to get patent leather shoes. I'm just letting you know that because they'll start out shiny, but they're going to get scuffed up during the year and they won't wear well. Oh, I was super disappointed. And I felt pretty sure I'd never find a pair I liked until I did. Mr. Miller opened up a cardboard box and said, I'm pretty sure I've found just the ticket. He took out a brown suede pair of shoes with two little stripes of deep brown patent leather going from the laces down to the soles. I love them. Oh, but the patent leather. The patent leather stripes. I looked up at my mom, and I don't think I've loved her more than I did at that moment when I heard her say, I think those would work great. Yeah, yeah. Back to shopping with Auntie Marge, she did want my opinion. It wasn't because I had such great taste, but it was because I represented her target audience. She said at her school, because all the students were smaller than she was, and she'd pass them in the hallway, she said, they'd never know it was me, unless they were looking way, way up, and children just don't walk like that, she said. But she wanted her students to know she was there, and she decided the best idea she'd had so far was to wear shoes that brightly said hello. So when the children saw them, they knew it would be her. So she'd buy red shoes and yellow shoes and shiny shoes and fancy shoes and shoes with patterns that most grown women would be afraid to wear. She would buy lots of shoes, put them in the boxes, put them in a great big bag, and we'd head to Ben Franklin where she'd let me pick out a toy before we'd walk back home. Sometimes when Auntie Marge would visit, she would say, wouldn't it be fun to eat supper on a blanket in front of the fireplace tonight? I hear her ask, and I'd look over at my mom and wait for a response. My mom wouldn't say no to Auntie Marge, so we'd haul out the blankets and the dishes and the food, and we'd sit on the ground like we were having a picnic. Auntie Marge would go around to each one of us asking questions and listening to our answers. When I was in junior high, my older sister was in high school. My younger sister and youngest brother were in elementary school, Auntie Marge volunteered us along with our parents to demonstrate an example of family devotions to a gathering of people at a national conference. My parents agreed. So one night during this conference, we arrived at the meeting and found a table set up on the stage. My dad and mom and the four of us found our seats around this table and we started to enjoy chips and water that were set up for us to eat to make it seem like we were eating dinner. My dad began asking each of us, as he would often do when we were at home, what was the best part of your day today?" And he started with me. I heard him say this, but I didn't know. I could think of only one thing I had done that day. My sister and I and a couple of our friends had stumbled upon a bell tower that was all locked up the doors were barred, and I'd snuck underneath a barred door and wandered around inside trying to see if other things were unlocked, and that's all I could think about. I couldn't think of the best thing I had done that day. I could only think of that one thing I had done that day, and I knew I couldn't say that, and so I just panicked, and then I laughed nervously, and then I just kept laughing, and I couldn't stop. I knew I should, and I knew that there were thousands of people watching us, and I knew my dad needed to get to the part where we read the Bible and prayed, but I couldn't control myself. I just laughed more I think my sisters and brother must have said things, and same with my parents, and I think at some point, maybe someone read the Bible, and maybe someone prayed, but I just kept laughing. Eventually, we got off the stage. Later that night, Auntie Marge told me she was so proud that I was brave enough to be on a stage. Every time Auntie Marge would leave our house, I would ask, when are you coming back? I kind of felt like she was our own little Mary Poppins. Sometimes she'd say, well, October, Lord willing, or in a few months, Lord willing, or next spring, Lord willing, or after I get back from Europe, Lord willing. I remember getting so irritated with the whole Lord willing thing. Ugh, just plan your life. You don't have to say that every single time. But I realized that was the way she planned her life. She would ask the Lord to direct her steps, and she trusted that he'd do so. My Auntie Marge died in a car accident during the spring of my junior year in high school. She didn't have great eyesight, and it was rainy, and there was construction, and she missed something somewhere, and she met Jesus that night. And I cried. I cried because I knew I'd miss her visits. I'd miss her talks. I'd miss her fun. I'd miss shoe shopping and walks. I'd cry because I never told her of the great impact she had on my life. In fact, when Kenny asked me in college about what I wanted to do after school before we were even dating, I told him, I wasn't sure exactly, but I would thought about working at an orphanage or a missionary school or something somewhere overseas. I said, I wanted to listen to kids tell their stories and think of games to play and fun ways to eat supper. I told him about my auntie Marge and about her love for shoes that said hello I told him if I could live a life like hers, I knew I would be super satisfied. Auntie Marge never married. She never had her own kids, but she had a very full life and she touched many, so, so, so many lives. And you know what? I never was able to tell her that she had touched mine. Do you know why, also? I don't think I noticed it happening. I think I just noticed a woman willing to walk beside me, willing to listen willing to care in sometimes the most subtle of ways. Isn't this what it's like? Isn't this the Christian journey? First Peter 4.10 says this, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's amazing grace and varied grace. And I thought, Auntie Marge is this. She's a good steward of God's varied grace. She received these gifts from God and she used them to serve others. She was a great example to me of someone who lived life all in. She followed God closely and loved his people dearly. She listened to the little children. She looked for ways to connect with them. What can I learn today from my Auntie Marge? I can learn that when I walk through life, I can invite another, can invite another to walk with me. I learned that we can talk about life and share our own travels and experiences with those around us. We don't do life with others to impact them or to be noticed. We do it because we care. We talk to those younger and older than we are with respect and with love. We love with the love that we have first received. We listen because the person sitting across from us or next to us has been created by God and holds value in his sight. We respect God's creation. We enjoy the lake. We enjoy the sunset. We speak of his goodness and majesty as the colors explode on the canvas of the sky. We eat dinner by a fireplace because we know we'll extend our time together with those we love as we turn dinner into conversation and conversation and connecting into connecting and connecting into impact. We look for ways to say hello to those who are around us and we buy shoes.